0: Hi, I'm Bill Cook, and I like magic.
1: Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile? Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars the moon, and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like, do you like? What do you like? Do you like? Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Today on the podcast, we have a world-renowned person, someone who's been on TV, who's done theater, and someone who you may know because he's been on every news organization saying it's someone you should know. Um, he is here to share his his love and passion and his love and passion will blow your mind. So make sure you guys check your pockets and wristwatches because we have magician Bill Cook on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Bill.
0: Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, me and Bill have known each other for a long time. I believe it was middle school that we first met, um, and then obviously through high school. I had someone I've, I've like randomly seen in different places throughout life. Um, so we kind of keep in touch through chance encounters. I love it. Um, but like I mentioned in the intro, Bill has taken his lifelong passion for magic and made it his entire career. Um, so Bill, first of all,
0: how are you doing today? Dude, I'm talking to one of, one of the longest friends I've ever known. So I'm doing great. Wow.
1: I that is that is is truly my pleasure to speak to you because I don't think it's been a while since we actually sat down and talked because the last time we saw each other was at C two E two which was right before last time we
0: saw each other, I ran into you at C two E 2 yes because giant Thanos fist on my wrist
1: yeah that's how we that's how we see each other um <laughs> and <laughs> it was right before the world kind of stopped yeah, um yeah. and then chance encounter through my work. We had like a a little my my nine to five job. This podcast isn't paying the bills just yet. Um, but through my nine to five job, there's this little webinar, and at the end, Bill Cook just decides to show up and do magic for us, um, and that's what got me to reconnect with Bill again. Um, and I just it just brought this up. Um, so I guess to kind of start with the journey, Bill, when did. Uh, magic kind of enter your life?
0: Oh, man. When I was nine, um, third grade, I had a, a report I had to do on a famous person. We drew names out of a hat. And you'd think that I would have pulled, like, Houdini or Thurston. No. I pulled a chess player named Bobby Fischer. And I had to do a report on this chess player's life. And we didn't have... God, when I was nine, I didn't think we had like access to the internet at my house. So I went to the library, like any normal person would do back in the nineties. And, uh, the chess books are next to the library, the next library, the chess books are next to the magic books separated by one Dewey decimal number. And someone had misshelved one magic book in with the chess books. And I took that book home. With, I, mean, I i didn't look i saw chess i grabbed the whole chunk and brought them home and he, 22 years later here we are
1: that is crazy how just by happenstance
0: you well, just... i'll be honest the, the, the magic book had pictures so that really stuck with me because it was like all right here's uh oh so for the for the decalb opener you 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 knew you, you, you know Queenside rook to and you just want to stab yourself because that is the most boring crap to read when you're nine and then you go through three of those books and then it's like oh what is this playing cards on the cover and 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 and, and, and like producing a bird and wow okay well to heck with these i don't remember what i got on the report i got a career out of somebody's mistake wow and i think
1: i mean right around that time was also like Magic was like big on TV too. So do you, do you remember like watching like those like big David Copperfield specials
0: and? Oh God! Every Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving they had a new. It was either Copperfield was on Fox or World's Greatest Magic was on NBC, uh, or um, Magic's Biggest Secrets Revealed. Lance Burton had a few specials out. David Blaine was just about to to release his first street magic special. Ah. Uh-huh. So yeah. Yeah, and it was always in the fall, for whatever reason. Um, World's greatest or magic's biggest secrets—they would like do back-to-back episodes of that in the fall. Interesting.
1: I would. I really wonder what the 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 thought process behind that was. Huh. Well, so- um,
0: probably, probably focusing on like the demographic of kids and knowing that they weren't out, like. Outside playing at that time of night, you know.
1: Interesting. Like, school. It's a school night now. Like they have to. Yep.
0: It's cool. you are gonna be inside. This is where all the family can huddle around and watch these magic things. It's it's too dark out for you to go out and play at night. So let's let's do something for the whole family. Let's put on a magic show.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and magic is definitely something that is for the whole family.
0: Oh yeah, but uh, it it can also be very very niche. It could also be very niche. Um not everybody likes the style of Chris Angel. Not everyone likes the style of Siegfried Roy. Yeah. But yeah, you know, those are three huge names in my business.
1: Sure, sure. And I, I think uh that that kind of speaks to the the um the art that is magic. Like no art is put into one box. Like there's definitely different avenues you can take it and and the three people you've named have taken it in very different directions oh yeah um oh yeah (laughs) and there's 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 other ones that we'll probably get into later um but i kind of want to so you guys tigers one guy used eyeliner yeah i'm pretty sure they both use eyeliner (laughs) i think all of them Uh, use eyeliner (laughs) um so i want to go back to nine-year-old bill finds this book what was it that took the the idea of like oh this is cool to read to i'm going to start trying to do this like what was the first trick you tried to learn and things like that
0: having having an older brother having a brother that's 11 years older than me uh really made that leap easy because my my brother's cool he's tall he's skinny he's handsome he's he's smart i mean it's like all the cool things you want to be as a as a kid when your older brother is all that makes you want to impress your older brother so i tried to impress my older brother with magic tricks and he's a smart guy and he could see right through it he knew he like uh here uh, pick a card i'm not going to pick the one you want me to darn like, <laughs> and so it became like a personal goal. I'm going to fool my brother. Interesting. And one day I did. And I remember the look on his face when he went, "Okay, so, so how'd you do that? Yeah, oh, and that 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 feeling of power, that like, you know, when you listen to a really good song, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, the hair on your arms stand up, and you just you feel that like, like." Like God reached through the heavens and touched you. Like it was like, you're here. That's what it felt like to finally fool my older brother.
1: Now, I'm sure there's an amazing feeling. How did how was his how was his interaction with you after that? Like, was it now his challenge to try to figure out all your tricks?
0: Uh I wouldn't say it's his challenge, but huh. I wouldn't say it's his challenge, but I definitely will, like, if I'm working on something that I need a really critical eye with, I'll call my brother, or I'll call my mom, or I'll call my dad. Like, those those are the three people that I will, they're, those three people can see through everything, and if I get uh, at least and yeah, that's pretty good, from two of them that I, 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 feel pretty, pretty set with it.
1: Gotcha. So you rely a lot on your, your family for kind of reinforcement in this.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. My family's my team. I am, I am nothing without my family. My, my, my mom is my manager. She goes by her maiden name to run my business. So we're not, it's not like, nepotism if that's that's the the right word um it's one thing okay for business when someone calls to book me for a gig it's one thing for me to say hey i've been on masters of illusion and and tellers fool us and i've been on the today show and i won all these awards and this is why you should hire me but after a while i just sound like a cocky jerk if someone else answers the phone and says, well, you do know that he's been on these shows and he's done this and he's this and he's won these awards and whatever. Now that is someone selling their client. And, you know, I, I have the, the, the supreme fortune of having someone who I trust dearly handle money for me. And my mom is my mom is my employee. My dad's my employee. In, the, in Cook County, Illinois, I'm the business owner and they are my paid employees. Which is odd for some people. Yeah, but that works for us.
1: <laughs> What's it like uh, right around uh, the holidays? Are they looking for like uh, one of those holiday bonuses, or have they, <laughs> ha- have they played hardball with any or any uh, any I'll raises? This.
0: I'll tell you this. No, but. Owning the business and suddenly mom's laptop goes on the fritz, makes a business purchase really nice. That's also a Christmas present.
1: <laughs> that, that is a good way to frame it. That that yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. OK, so like so your family has always supported you in this. Uh, yes. When did it? So, I mean, obviously you start doing magic tricks for your brother. When did you kind of view this as like, you know what?
0: This is what I'm going to do with my life. When I was 16, when I was 16 years old, uh, I, I started working at a place called PJ's Trick Shop. It was a magic shop in Mount Prospect, Arlington Heights, that like yeah. borderline between two cities. And I started working there Friday nights. And one night a man came in and asked if I would work his son's birthday party. I've never worked a birthday party before. So the a co-worker at the shop and I put together a 45 minute birthday party show that fit into the back of my car. And we scripted it and worked it out. And if I could find this guy and apologize and give his family a free show, I would. Because I know I was awful. I know that 16-year-old me was god-awful. And looking back, it was such a, like, life lesson thing that I remember sitting in the car holding the check in my hands for $125 thinking I've made it. I'm I, I've got it. This is, I can do this. And now looking back is like, I I did that all that for $125. I wouldn't know
1: <laughs> uh, for a 16 year old, $125. That's a, uh... 60
0: nice years for that's I could if, if I had a girlfriend back then, that's every movie she ever wanted to go to for like weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it like,
1: like on stage, like during that performance? Like when did it, was it like, did it just kind of go through in a blur or was it like, did you have that feeling like, wow, I'm actually doing a magic show. Like I'm a well, magician. My stage,
0: my stage was that family's family room okay and i had about four or five feet between the wall and the couch and that was where i was performing and uh the fan they they had like 30 people in their basement it was packed but they wouldn't move the couch for whatever reason so anyone was either everyone was either standing piled on the couch leaning on the wall or sitting on the floor around me and it was it was very bizarre but it's one of those things that in the moment you're, you're there, but looking back, it's a blur. That makes sense. Like nowadays I step on stage, the, the, the spotlight will hit me and I can tell when I'm rushing. I can also tell when it's been 10 minutes. I can feel when it's been 15. I can feel when it's been 40. Like I know these things because at certain points in my script, it's just become routine. Oh, the like. On a, I work primarily now for cruise ships for Royal Caribbean. Oh, the cruise director only wants me to do fifteen minutes. Okay, that's these two tricks and this one story done. So, if once I've done those those two things, that's a nice little little button on it. Back then, I had no clue what I was doing in terms of like time. I just knew I had to get through these tricks, and it would be forty five minutes.
1: Well, that makes, that makes sense. So, but it's like. You're a sixteen-year-old. I assume these kids were significantly younger. They were. I, I'm sure it was like five, I think six, it was like ninth, ninth, ninth birthday. Okay. Uh, what did, was there like a feeling like seeing like a group of children, like the the look of awe on their face, like did that bring anything out in you?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yes and no. Yes, like, holy crap, that worked. No, like yeah 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 yeah, but wait but there's more there's more you got to watch this thing too (laughs) and that's one thing i had to learn over time is let the magic sink in let them like appreciate what you've just done because otherwise you're just you're running the the paces without ever stopping to it to stop and smell the roses
1: gotcha so i guess i think that's something that everyone kind of learns especially in the arts oh yeah um as you become more comfortable in your,
0: in your profession. I forget who said it, uh, but it was the only thing more important than the notes is the silence between them. Wow.
1: Wow. That's some, that's wow. some deep stuff.
0: I forget who said it. I, I Google it, but <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that when I was nine. So go to the library. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the space in between the, the applause points. To to stop and let them appreciate what you just did is almost as important as the thing you did.
1: Yeah. I think that I think that's true in like even outside of the arts. Like just like in communication with people, like uh I think and I mean even like really this in conversation, like the whole idea of make sure you're listening to other person. Like it's okay to have a gap in the conversation where things kind of settle in. Um, that's just good advice for life. Yes. Um, wow. So now, so it's kind of to go on. So you have your first professional gig at 16. Now you, you graduate high school. You have a major decision to make. Are you going to figure out a way to just focus on magic? Are you gonna look at other ways? are there I know I know kind of where you went but kind of share with the listeners sure. what kind of decision you made there
0: Well I so my 18th birthday was in the middle of spring break, our senior year and uh, when I was in school, I did service learning with the tech department at the high school so I learned a lot about Macintosh computers. And in order to work for Apple, you have to be 18. Well, it turned out that our assistant band director for Wheeling High School was the manager of the Northbrook Apple Store. So on my 18th birthday, he called me and offered me a job to be a salesman, a specialist, a salesman at Apple. So I had that job, graduated high school, and at least had like a steady salesman job at Apple. And then on the weekends, I was still working the magic shop. So I was always in the magic thing. Uh, I then applied for a scholarship to Northeastern Illinois University on French horn and I got it. So I'm now doing magic shop on the weekends, picking up the odd magic show during the week, week evenings, weekends, and then, I basically did Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday at the Apple store and then would pivot and go right to school or school right to the Apple store. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated I had been in school for so long and I'm not I'm not a smart person by any stretch of what intelligence would deem smart. Like I can I can do math if I have a calculator and a lot of time. And a lot of patience, but i'm not like i'm not that kind of a smart person so one day i'm sitting at the dinner table with my dad and he can see i'm stressed and he goes what's the matter and i said i don't want to do this anymore and he goes then don't we didn't force you to go to college you did you pushed it take a year off take take five off i don't care just if you don't want to do it don't do it so i gave back my scholarship and i dropped out of college and I was 19 and I said I want to be a magician and my mom and dad went that then let's work on that let's focus on that so I spent the better part of a year pushing and focusing on being a magician and in that time I started to develop uh, what's known as a competition magic act so There's the stuff you do for shows and then there's stuff that's kind of like passion projects that you compete with other magicians basically seven minutes is like the minimum magic contest act, and it is some of its real heavy hard stuff. But it wouldn't entertain the lay audience. Like most people, if you were watching on TV, you'd turn it off after two minutes because you're like, "Okay, it's the same." Use more playing cards, repairing at his fingertips. So I wanted to create an act around CDs and iPods. I made seven minute act for a contest piece, and I worked that for a year, and performed it at the World Magic Seminar in Las Vegas. It was the only place where there was a teen magic contest and I came in second place. But what's most important about that is that was the year a documentary crew was there filming. They filmed that that contest. And then through the working of movie magic came out and filmed at some of our houses and said, we want to make it like you're preparing to go to this contest. And they filmed me for a weekend. And I became one of six stars of this documentary about magicians and it won the 2010 Los Angeles film festival for best documentary and is currently on Amazon. I'm owned by Jeff Bezos.
1: When I think of October, I think of leave changing colors, warm apple cider, staying warm around a campfire and being scared shitless the entire month. The good news is I can be comfortable while terrified. By wearing the great apparel from TheCrypticCloset.com There you can get your horror parody t-shirts, masks, and the world famous Fanny DeVito And exclusively for listeners of this podcast You can use promo code WDYL20 at checkout for 20% off your entire order Again, that is promo code WDYL20 for 20% off your entire order At TheCrypticCloset.com now I'm gonna go hide under my blankets for the rest of the month while you enjoy the rest of this episode. Um, so the you, this the documentary comes out, kind of raises your profile in the magic world. Um, but I kind of want to go into like the actual development of that that trick or illusion or what what what's the term it should be called uh, oh
0: I, i'm as funny as that line from arrested development is it's a trick uh-huh they're magic tricks it's okay okay they, Halloween, they talked about trick or treat it was either you got candy or you got a practical joke or magic trick and we've forgotten half of that we've all gone for candy because it's easier
1: oh yeah and, um, and lower chance of a lawsuit
0: <laughs> yeah, well this year for Halloween, I, I plan on having the, uh, I'm anticipating having a couple people in our neighborhood. So I've got the long PVC pipe set so I can stand on the porch and throw the candy in the tube. And then I'll be on the, on the, the steps doing a uh, simple ish magic tricks for people from a distance.
1: Wow. That you're going to be, that's to be the most popular house on the block.
0: Yeah, for all the look, we had like seven people come last year. I don't think we're gonna get very much more this year.
1: Yeah, trick or treating is kind of a, a lost art, unfortunately.
0: It is, uh, yeah. One day, it one day, it'll come back. Well, I hope so, man. I hope a lot of things come back. Yeah, <laughs> treating, going out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a basement. Uh, so make in, in terms of like making a magic trick, um. We'll start with like, no idea is a bad idea. And one of the books I read, it was by a a magician named Jay Sankey. And he has a quote about art. Uh, Who are you to determine whether or not that is a good trick? Uh, Think about the fact that not everyone liked the Beatles. Not everyone liked Elvis. Not everyone liked Van Halen. I bring that up on a very sad day. Yeah. You know, there is something f- something for everyone. Everybody loves something. Everybody likes something. Everybody doesn't like somebody or something. So if I said, cool, I want to make a building float. That could be a great idea. That could also be a terrible idea. Uh, okay, then I want to turn this bowl of frosted flakes into a bowl of Cheerios. Again, could be a great idea. could be a horrible idea but no idea is off the table. What you do is you take every idea that comes to you and you write it down. Good or bad, whatever the idea is, you write it down because one day you could be in a pitch meeting with some cereal company and you go, wait a second. I wrote down an idea on how to change one cereal into another. Let me see if I can adapt this. And the next thing you know, you've got the next thing that's on their television commercial.
1: Interesting.
0: I mean, I think that, 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 that
1: really speaks to just like the creative process in general. Yeah. Um, so what what does it look like? So obviously, with, with magic and and illusions, stuff like that, the the ideas can be extremely outlandish. Yes. Like, because I mean, the whole idea, like magic, is supposed to be kind of over the top and like bring out this awe in an audience, the awe in the audience. I'm, I'm gonna copyright that one if no one else has ever said that. <laughs> um, uh, but like so what what's the process of kind of like kind of tinkering that down to like an actual
0: feasible trick? Well, really there's 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 only a few things you can really do. like you can make something appear, disappear, change you can read someone's mind you can restore something you can cut something i mean there's really only uh, you can make something fly you can really that's about it right because if like if you're going to do like the linking rings trick well that's that's changing something that's taking two items and making them one item, even though they're length, that's now one item. So that doesn't really fall under like appearance or disappearance. But if I was going to do like producing fans of playing cards at my fingers, once you've seen it once, that's the trick. Now, when I drop them and produce another one, that's the same trick. You've already seen it. So the the creation of the trick is almost like, okay, so this is the idea. How do I... is a good starting point is, is there a trick that I, how do I say it? Does this trick exist already? And how can I adapt that trick to be with this? I'll go back to that, the, um, the cereal company with, if, if I wanted to convert like boring name brand cereal to, to fruity sugary multicolored goodness. Okay. Is there a trick where you take like water and it becomes milk or where there's nothing and then you cover it and then suddenly there's something. Does that exist already? Can I repurpose this prop to, do, to make it look like it's something else? Or can I take the basis of this trick and recreate it to make it work this way? Um, an example of that is the classic linking rings trick where rings are smashed together and linked together has been remade using barbed wire. Now, barbed wire is not something that you would normally look at and go, oh, I want to play with that and link it together. (laughs) But it's become a comedy piece because while the magician's performing it, he has to wear gloves and he opens the gloves up and the the, the ring's hanging off the fabric and then it catches onto his jacket and there's all these bits of moments to it. And at one point you take the glove off and the, the ring is stuck to your hand because it's pierced your hand. And that's someone said, how can I comedy up the linking rings? What if I did it with barbed wire? And they, they just spun it to that. I don't know if that answered your question.
1: No, absolutely. (laughs) And, and I mean, I think that that kind of speaks to, I guess, the artist thought process too, because like you said, like, I mean, you think about even in music, there's only a certain amount of notes. It's how you put those notes together that really makes it an art piece. Um, So you're, you're kind of taking all these like known techniques and things like that. And the, the real skill once you kind of master techniques is like putting it together in an entertaining way that is different than other people have ever seen.
0: Correct. Absolutely correct. And you can see a prime example of that in Penn and Teller's fool us, the TV show. Um, if you've never seen the show, magicians stand in front of the Las Vegas legends, Penn and Teller, and perform for them. And if you fool them with the magic you do, you then get to open for Penn and Teller in their show. And the idea behind the show is if you, you perform your trick for Penn and Teller and then they converse with you in code, in magicians, like, in words that magicians will understand. And with the hopes that the regular watching audience at home aren't going to get it, but if they're curious enough, they can dig, dig deeper to figure out why, why they said what they said. So um, there's example, there's something in magic called a shell that I'm not going to say what it does or what it is for, but think about uh, the shell of a turtle. Uh, it sits on top of the turtle, right? and the turtle can nest inside of the shell. So during one of the tricks on Fool Us, they mentioned to the performer that, you know, I've got turtles. My turtle's shells are really strong. And you watch the magician start to nod because the magician was using a shell for whatever the trick was that they were doing. And the host at the time was like, I don't know, why are you talking about turtles? Because that's what the host's job is, is to be kind of a, a you know, dumb. And the magician was like, nope, I got it. They, I did not fool them. Got it. Done.
1: Interesting. I think, now I grew up on, I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. As you're um, wearing
0: a new shirt.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so that kind of brings back, so like back in the in the old days of wrestling, Um before it was widely known that matches were predetermined, um, even though it was widely known that well before people think it was. Um, back in the carnival days, they used to speak this this thing called carny, um, oh. which literally you just put like is in the middle of words, and like all of a sudden, if you don't know what's going on, you think they're speaking gibberish. Um, It, it, it kind of speaks like, obviously magicians, there is a it's something you're trying to hide. Cause obviously if everything was revealed exactly how everything's done, it kind of ruins the uh, pun intended magic of it. Yeah. Um, what was it like when you first started kind of like being able to understand that, like when you had a, a, a conversation with a magician, you like were able to say like, I, I am on the same level as this magician.
0: There are still times where I don't know what the hell people are talking about. Because as much as as well read and well versed as I am, I don't follow like the brand new stuff because there's new material and new stuff being published constantly. But I understand the principles. Like if someone were to say to me, all right, cool, uh, do a double, do a tilt, do a top change and reveal like I got I got all that. I understood that. I know what exactly that means. And I'm, I'm looking at you in the camera and you, you you're like, oh what the hell he just said? No uh, <laughs> no idea. Uh, I think the first time that I, like, it clicked that I could like hang with the the other magicians and I use the word hang with the hang with the boys because it's generally just a big boys club. but what's really great recently is there's been a huge uptick in females and non-binary performers and so it's not the old boys club anymore thankfully it is the magic world and it's, it's becoming much more accepting and much more welcoming and much more, much more inviting, which is a very good thing. So I apologize if I called the old boys club, it's just, that's just from, you know, that's how it had been for the longest time, but now it's in the magic world. So I, w- I was about to say, you know, I can hang with the boys. I can hang with the other magicians. And I think the first time that they really clicked with me was when I was, in Las Vegas for that convention when I was competing and I, so in these conventions, there's more than just the, 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 the contest, there's lectures and performers. And I sat in the lecture and the lecture shows the trick and then explains the trick. And as the lecturer was talking through what they were doing, you want to do this move and this and this and this. And as they're explaining it, I was like, Oh, I, don't, I, I know all these moves. I don't have to relearn anything. And then another one, it happened again and again and again. It was like, oh, wow, I'm, I I know all this stuff. This is great. So I'd say about 19 was when it finally started to click. But gotcha. do you remember do you remember before you started driving and you'd listen to your parents give like street directions? Like, cool, you're going to take Euclid to Arlington Heights Road, hang a left, and you're going to take that uh, to uh, 14. You're going to hang a right. You're going to go down and it'll be on the right side. And you're like, I'm never going to learn all these street names. Uh-huh. And then you start driving. You're like, oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got all that. that. Right? Yes. And That's no. That's how it is with
1: magic. I mean, I will say this. Oh. GPS has kind of ruined me for that. <laughs> uh, I am definitely a okay. victim. But I remember I remember the MapQuest days where you'd print out the directions.
0: Will you print out the map quest before we leave? Yeah, exactly.
1: It only t- It only took one or two times. We're like, oh,
0: I know how to get there yeah but yeah yes yeah okay yeah so yeah after a couple of times you're like yeah i got that mm-hmm. yeah okay i know i know that road oh yeah yeah i got that yep. and with magic that's I, I i distinctly remember standing in the magic shop going i'm never gonna be able to learn all this terminology and here i am teen years later like oh kid if you only knew the stuff you're gonna forget yeah
1: that. i mean i think a lot of times I think it's a a common theme as we get older to look back at like our younger selves and be like, how, how I don't want to say dumb, but how dumb they were. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I think it, it, it's very wise of you to be able to look back and, and be able to like connect that, like that moment where I think that like 19 was probably your transition into, like a more, I don't want to say adult, but like that was, I correct me wrong, but that kind of seems like when you became a
0: magician, would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. I I know, I know the day that I became the, the I, I think the day that I became magician, Bill Cook was the day I, I changed the spelling of my last name. What was, what was the, the, how did that feel? That was weird because I got into a big fight with my sister about it. Now here's the fun thing. It's not a legal change. It's just because you can't screw this one up. My legal last name is K O C H pronounced cook, which really easy to screw up and sound like a dirty word.
1: (laughs) As someone who knew you in middle school, I can agree that, it, that
0: was said. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> to this day, I go to I go like I go to the doctor's office, and you know the the the, the nurse will, Mister. It's like, please don't. Oh. <laughs> 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 so to to go from the the you know the proper German spelling of cook, you know Wilhelm Koch. That's how my grandmother used to. Call it. Clock, come over again. now. I'm in trouble. Oldman's mad. <laughs> Gotta go to grandma. You know, to, to spelling it the way it sounds. It's phonetic. I'm just upset that the word phonetic isn't spelled the way it sounds. That's true. Yeah. Eng- we should but, get rid of English. Yeah. Have you even talked to a Brit lately? They can't even speak their own language. I don't know what the heck they're Oh, uh, what they get to teasing crumpets no. and your uh, ah.
1: I, I I spent three months in England and I was just sat there. It's like everything they're saying is wrong, just like everything we say is wrong. Like they're,
0: they're... dude, they on the wrong side of the road.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sorry, my for my British yeah. listeners, but uh...
0: I I so. Before the world stopped, I spent the better part of two weeks in London uh, in January, and I went all up and down West End and hit as many shows as I could. Oh, I cannot wait to go back. Oh, my God. It was so nice. It was so great. Ugh. Yeah. And so going back to um, going back to like being 19 and changing and like I didn't change my name until I was 21. So. And I remember the last gig I had before I cha- before I finally said I was going to change it. And the reason my, my sister got all bent out of shape uh, for changing my last name and then realized real quickly that she was arguing a moot point because it wasn't legal. It was just for stage. Um, my mom was married before she met my dad and my siblings were from her previous marriage. And so when my dad, married my mom, he adopted my brother and sister, got the last name, they all became a family. And then it took the better part of a year for the adoption to go through. And after the process went along, they found out they were having me. So my sister got all bent out of shape that why would I give up a name that was, I was born with when my dad you know, gave it to her kind of, and it's like, you're, you're, you're thinking about this the wrong way. You're thinking about this about, this isn't about you, this is about me and being introduced correctly on stage. Now I have to laugh. She's married and has since changed her last name. So you gotta (laughs) wonder. Uh,
1: Well, I mean, I do understand her, her thought process and like, and I think it speaks to like the, the connection you have with your family that like that last name is important. Um, Yes. But I do agree with you that, I, I think you made the right choice in professionally changing it, because as someone who has a last name of Zaha that has um, a C in the middle of it, um, I get, I get a lot of, a lot of mispronunciations.
0: Um, so on, on the calendar, I, I put this, this interview on the work calendar and my mom calls it. She's like, so you have an interview tonight with Jeremy's, hmm? And I went Zaha. She goes, "Say that again, Zaha." <laughs> that's not how it's spelled. And Cook is not spelled K O C H. Mom. She goes, "That val- that very valid point." <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So I I fully I fully understand you changing that, but I also understand like that's that's like a big moment because you in a little way you are. At that point, you are separating the private Bill Cook from the public magician Bill Cook. Um, yes. I can see that being a big transition. And would you say like that's when you kind of felt like this is it? I'm 100% a magician like this. Is, yes. This definitely. is my life.
0: Definitely. That the, This is I'm now I'm now I'm making it personal. <laughs> And there is definitely a difference between the performer on stage and the guy off stage. The, the guy on stage doesn't make a mistake. Uh, uh, there, are, there are three three main types of magicians. My mentor calls them the killer victim witness. Um, I was introduced to them as the storyteller, the card shark and the clown. But the idea is like, let's go with killer victim witness. Witness tells stories about, I saw, a magi- I saw this guy walking down the street and he had three playing cards and a cardboard box. And he put the cardboard box down. He mixed around the cards. And my goal was to find the three of hearts. And now you're telling the story as if you were a bystander. The victim it talks about like, you know, when I was a kid, I went to the magic shop and I saw the guy with three different lengths of ropes and he would snap his finger. And they all became the same length. And he'd snap his finger and he'd become different. Another type of storyteller, but... It's almost like the magic is happening to them. The storyteller is reciting a story that they've seen, and the killer is the performer that's just, we're doing this right here, right now. I'm in charge, and you rarely see them flub. There may be moments, like there's a thing called Magician in Trouble where it's like, was that supposed to happen? And the audience kind of looks at each other like, was that a mistake? And then the magician winds up coming out in the end like, oh, no, he fooled us. (laughs) And that's a a thing that people, that magicians and people do because we get reactions out of people. But I am a, I don't believe in astrology, but I'm a total Aries. Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, So, like, I'm too bullheaded to to let my props win. I'm too, too bullheaded to lose. I'm too bullheaded to to relinquish control to something else. So I'm a definite killer on stage. Like I will win. I will be right. So that's my focus on, on that. I, I don't know where I was going with that.
1: No, I mean, and that, that's the whole point of the, these conversations is that, I mean, we'll we stalk when we'll go somewhere. And I think that's very interesting to kind of understand the, the mind of the, um, of the magician. Like it's true. When you're up there, you, have to be perceived as as infallible yes um but as a human you're not and I think that that oh. that's really important to like kind of understand the dichotomy of the prefer the performer versus the person now can, can you share like an experience where you're up there on stage and you're supposed to be infallible and something doesn't <sighs> necessarily align? With how it's supposed to go?
0: Horror story time. Okay. <laughs> so last year, I'm on a cruise ship. I'm on what's, uh, the ship called the Empress of the Seas. It is the smallest ship in the Royal Caribbean fleet. Um, it is, they rebought it back to fit in the Havana-Cuba port. And when we shut down going to Cuba, they kept the ship in the fleet because hopefully one day we'll open it up again. But we're on the ship and I brought my dad on as a passenger. Now I brought my mom on a few months prior thinking we were going to Cuba a week before we left, they shut it down. So, okay. So brought my dad on. That was just last year that this happened. Oh my God. Okay. So bring my dad on and I bring a little girl up on stage to do a trick with a balloon animal where I would blow up a balloon animal, whatever animal she wants, but it's gonna look like look like a dog. And the whole point of the thing is I want you to say dog because I only know how to make a balloon dog. And the little girl's probably eight, maybe. And I've got her giggling and I've got her laughing. And the more she laughs, the better it is for me because audiences like to watch kids laugh, especially an audience of cruise people who are typically older, right? Mm -hmm. So, and here's a, here's a, here's a Jedi mind trick I use. The first trick that requires an audience participant, Jeremy, I bring up a little kid and I start by saying, what's your name in the audience? Lisa, Lisa, if I promise to treat you with respect and kindness and send you back to your seat with a gift and the biggest round of applause that I can get you, will you come up and help me? And what I've just done is told everyone in the room that I'm going to treat this kid right. And you don't have to worry if I ask you up on stage either, because if I'm willing to treat this kid that way, I'm going to do the same to you. And doing that mitigates most people from saying no. And as a result, I don't treat people poorly. I, I, I hate magicians that like bring people up to, to get them quote, quote, get them or make fun of them, or make them look bad, because that just makes the job harder for me in the future. So anyway, bring this kid up. All is going well. She starts to laugh so hard she starts to pee. (laughs) Now, I see it because she's wearing, like, a sundress. Her mom is in the front row. Her mom needs a medal of valor. Jumps up, slides onto the stage, arms out at her side, protecting her daughter. Right? I say in my mic, hey Alec, can you bring me out my black towel from backstage? I, I bring my own towels on the ship because they're black. Most cruise ships are, are just you know plain white. Mm. And after the show, when I'm sweaty and gross and I'm doing the meet and greet, if I wipe my face on a white towel, you'll just see all my makeup. On a black towel, you won't. So I bring my own black towels and I clean my towels, blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. Alec brings out the towel. The mom, I take, hand the towel to the mom. The mom sets it on the on the stage and kneels on it. And I said to the little, little girl, would you still like to finish the trick? She goes, yeah. Steps around her mom. We finished the trick that was happening. Mom just mopped up the little puddle. I sent them on their way and they left the theater right away. Now, I thought they were done. Nope, they went back to the room. She changed and came back to finish the show. I didn't know how many people had known until the next day when people were saying, what happened with the little girl? Nothing. She had an accident. Her mom saved the day. Oh, we had no idea. We just thought you guys had a bit. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. Oh God. And it was just this, like, what could have been a, 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 a scarring life jarring moment for this little girl turned into like, Hey, it's all good. Here's a puppy. Go back to your seat.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and this is gonna, I'm going to say it, but it's going to bring up the wrong sure. thought, but you turn lemon into lemonades or lemonade, <laughs> into lemonade there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think that's important. I think that like, that's, that's probably what makes you a successful magician. Cause I mean, there are going to be, hardships um but obviously you just always overcome them and even like the creation of a trick you're gonna hit a roadblock where things just not gonna work um it's kind of like that persevering yeah and like even just like a a a profession like magic i kind of want to dive into like what is it like i mean obviously like an independent contractor yep um what is it like trying to kind of like make that your career like for someone who like i work at the standard nine to five job super boring and standard like what's it like the the
0: business side of that well taxes are a nightmare um (laughs) uh i file quarterly so i don't get slapped with the big penalty at the end of the year um you gotta figure that most of my income is under the table right most of my income is a check or cash made out to me so i declare a lot and as a result i get you know taxed for it but then most of the bigger companies do w9 or w2s so but all of that i don't have a retirement plan so i'm paying into an ira to do my own you know eventual retirement down the road Mm -hmm. um I pay for my own insurance. Now I'm, I get, I get it now through the affordable care act. But when I first started, I registered as a clown and I got it through the clown guild of America. Cause that's a, That was an actual thing. Wow. Um, and then after that I went and joined with the international brotherhood of magicians, their healthcare, which partnered up with the, with dentists. So the American dental association and the international brotherhood of magicians partnered up for a time to do healthcare care. And then when the Affordable Care Act came out, I jumped on that. Um, car insurance. My car is my primary mode of transportation when I'm home for my gigs, so my car is my business purchase. Um, but then, like, you got to f- you got to figure all of my advertising, my business cards, my Google my Google ads, my website. I'm running Facebook ads, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. I own a TikTok just so I can have the domain, the, the name, the username. So no one else can take it from me. I don't have any videos. I have followed no subscribers, but I have a TikTok just So I have my name, um, same with Snapchat. I've never used it, but I have it. I think that's called squatting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if but it's like- still
1: called squatting. If you're, if it's your brand though, usually squatting right. is someone else. Like I see this person is going to be taking this. I know they're going to pay me for it.
0: Oh, well, yeah, no, it's mine. (laughs) It's me. Um, But, um, you know, most of my trips to Home Depot are all for, I'm buying PVC by the bulk, PVC tubes and pipes and, you know, connectors and this and that. And I'm not doing any plumbing. It's all for tricks and hidden behind the scenes stuff. And I'm always making something. My, My 3D printers, my several of them, I use those to make props behind the scenes and my laser cutter, same thing. Um, Getting a gig is frustrating because thanks to places like gig salad and other ways of getting like cheap gigs, I don't want to say people call around shopping for prices, but they'll look at my price and they'll go, okay, well, we'll go find something else. But yeah, yeah. But on the same swing of things, if they're calling just for a magician, I would rather them call for me. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, and and knowing your worth.
0: Yeah. Um, When someone. okay, so here's a little behind the behind the curtain. When we when my mom first started working as my manager, I had a binder for her that would sit in. uh, I had two of them, one in the dining room one near her living room chair and if someone called it doesn't to this day bill cook magic chris speaking oh hi i'm interested in hiring the magician for a party open the binder first page fantastic what type of event and now down the side of the binder were all sorts of listed events birthday cub scout corporate walk around trade show other uh it's my kid's uh kid's fifth birthday party flip the birthday page fantastic happy early birthday to your kid what's your kid's name how old is the kid gonna be how many people you put in? like i had a i had scripts written out for every potential thing for my mom to read and then at the bottom there's the rule name the price and do not speak because in business the first person to speak loses so what's the fee? Well, for an event like that, bill charges $500. Silence, nothing. Because if she were to go, does, uh, does, does, does that work for you? Now you sound desperate for that, for that fee versus $500, put the phone down and wait for them to go. That's a little much to which now they can, my agent can then say, Okay, well bills willing to work within your price range, what is your budget? Right that that pause gives the edge to the house. Yeah. And from the business side from booking a show, I had to not not just me, we had to work out this system of like okay, we know that you have to you have to wait, you have to let them talk. And I 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I uh, did not know these things. (laughs) This is not, this is not something it's in the beginner magic books. This is, you have to take business classes for this.
1: I mean, and that, that makes a lot of sense, especially when like, this is your career. Like you have to make your living off of this. Like you can't, you can't be doing like super discounted shows just because the other person wants it. Like you have to kind of, take care of yourself and I kind of want to dig into like when what, what is it like to kind of like because obviously magic is very creative and artistic base and then you have this business side uh how do you kind of bridge those two like do you, do you ever get frustrated with the business side and you're like I just want to do magic <laughs>
0: why do you think I have someone else answer the phone for me <laughs> Okay. Um I mean, just to take it, take a quick step back. Um, like I do, I do shows for yes, I do shows for a fee to pay for the practice time, the props, the transportation, the setup, the teardown, and the physical show. Plus the clothes, the food. That's getting me. The, I mean, everything costs something. But I also do donate and give back. I I donate to to. Veterans, I donate to seniors. I donate to. uh, I used to do uh, yearly shows at the Illinois Masonic Children's Home. Uh, I still. It's probably not going to happen this year, but every Thanksgiving I perform um, for the recruits from Great Lakes Naval Air Base. Great Lakes Naval Base at the Morton Grove American Legion on Thanksgiving morning. They bring the they bring the recruits in, and it's the first time they're allowed to have like coffee and like call home since starting basic so like i've got my paid shows i've also got like the philanthropy side you know doing stuff for wounded warrior doing stuff for things that i'm that are close to my heart so having to like decide like okay what am i going to charge on what now i can't do that on my own i need my i need my manager for that and also as a complete aries and a bullheaded guy, if I say to you my price is five hundred dollars, and they go, "Oh God, we can't, we can't do that. How, how's one hundred fifty dollars?" My response would be, "Are you on your mind?" I'd yell into the phone, and I'd get so upset because it's like, "No, I know what my worth is." Having someone else be there to answer the phone to go, uh, "You know, that's a little out of Bill's price range. Uh, Let let's work on that." And God bless my mother; she's <laughs> she's able to like zen it out. Like, okay. That's not gonna work. Um, maybe we can adapt what Bill does to fit that price range. instead of an hour show, maybe he can do seven minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think that's 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 very self-aware yourself to to know like uh, I mean obviously magic your passion, but when you make a career, you do have to think about other stuff. and it's good to like know that I need to outsource this part. Of the oh. business because there's no way I'm going to make any money. <laughs> yeah. If I'm the one answering the phone,
0: I think that, well, that that's pretty smart. I'm terrible at emails. I'm terrible at contracts. I'm, uh, and they're not contracts, they're performance agreements. I did a show for a major credit card company and I said, We'll send over a, my eight, a, my manager said, We'll send over a contract. And their contact went, Ugh, Can we not? Because if it says contract, we have to send it to legal and that's two to three weeks before it gets signed back to you. So can we just do like written handshake or maybe performance agreement? It was like, Oh, okay. So suddenly contract became performance agreement and now I've never had a problem. It's a written handshake. That's all it is.
1: Interesting. But uh, it's obviously still legally binding. Like you could say like, if they don't pay me, you can say, well, we have this, this written document, this performance agreement that says that they would pay me.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just a written handshake to say, like, if there was a problem, I had to go to small claims court. You know, that could be the thing that pushes me one way or the other. But. I mean, I don't know. I I would never want to have to get to that point, but I also don't know what would be the legally binding thing. But there is a an agreement on paper with your signature and mine that says that we're going to do this. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, that, I mean, that's like the necessary evil again, like the, the, the business aspect of it. Now, obviously we talked about retirement briefly. Where do you kind of see the future for this for you? Like how, how long do you think you'll, you'll keep doing this? It's like, do you, what does retirement even look like for a magician?
0: I don't know what retirement looks like for a magician. I've got, I've got a friend. He was headliner at the Monte Carlo after fifteen thousand shows. His name is Lance Burton. He retired ten years ago, I think, maybe, maybe less than that, and he's back to performing again because he was tired of being at home and he missed the applause and adulation. Um, I don't know what retirement looks like because I've never really known a magician to retire. Uh, I really like it. My love languages are words of affirmation and touch. And I get words of affirmation from applause. So um, I can't imagine ever retiring unless it was necessary to my health. But then again, I'm only I'm only 31 that 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 question might change in 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah, Uh, I'll tell you this. Being on the road is hell on your personal life.
1: See, again, another connection to professional wrestling. Honestly, I think you're just a professional wrestler without the body slamming. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I'm a professional wrestler. Hopefully, without CTE.
1: Oh, that's true. You're, yeah, your 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 brain injuries are going to be a lot smaller.
0: Oh uh, well, I mean, I don't know. You've never been backstage with the amount of super glue and magic marker going on props. Woo! That's true. That, that's <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: oh man. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, as we kind of wind down, what are share kind of, kind of the struggles with that? Like what for someone who is not going to a nine to five job? Like what is the, the difficulty there?
0: Um, I'm unemployed. I'm employed between, I'm, I'm employed from the time I step on stage until the time I step off. So, um, there is really no financial planning for a magician because you really don't know what the year is going to hold. You can, Hope and pray that, cool, maybe this year will be better than next year. Like with with any business, you want to see growth in the business. Well, um, take, for example, my friend Danny, who is a corporate magician. His whole thing is trade shows. He is a trade show floor magician. He is selling products on the trade show floor using magic. September 11th, 2001 happened. Every trade show canceled for a year. His entire livelihood stopped on that day. Now, granted, a lot of things stopped that day, but he—it took him five or six years to finally recover, like the money he had lost leading up to that. When people were finally comfortable and safe going back out to trade shows, um, this—what we're experiencing right now—all live theater has stopped. Every cruise ship has stopped. Every birthday party has stopped. So like I'm having to do magic shows through Zoom and that's new to me. I've, I've I, As much as I'm up on tech, I've never had to worry about like lighting and camera and buying a DSLR camera and having to mic myself through my computer and learning this new software that's changing all the time. So, like, that's kind of a a downfall. And then, um, you know, one thing you need to know as a performer, at least I think, uh, if something's going to go into your show, you should be able to know how to fix it yourself. Because nothing's worse than being backstage in the dark, hearing something go bang Cause it falls to the ground. And then when you get on stage, you realize oh, that's broken and that's going to need to be fixed before the next show. How do I do that? So being able to like basically do field medical work with gaffers, tape, duct tape, spray paint, and uh, like gorilla glue. (laughs) Okay.
1: I mean, yeah, that, 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 that all makes sense. So like with these like struggles, what keeps you coming back?
0: Oh my, nothing beats the feel you get with applause. I, I cannot tell you the feeling I get. I cannot tell you the feeling of nerves <clears throat> backstage. It's not nerves. It's excitement. Like Elvis Presley said, if you're not nervous, you're not ready. I've practiced and prepared and performed and practiced and prepared to perform up to this point, it's either going to go great or it's not. So backstage is, is more like excitement, getting ready to do the thing. <clears throat> and like I said, recently it's been cruise ships. So I'll stand in the back wing and I'll see the smoke machine, hazer fogs kind of starting the cruise directors out there doing their, their, their thing and getting ready to introduce me. Do last minute checks in my head. Like did everything set up? Is everything prepared? Everything's ready. Then there's that Zen moment of ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage magician, Bill Cook. And that feeling when the music hits and the lights go and the audience is cheering and I can't describe it. It's just amazing. And for the 45 minutes that that audience and I are together, we share laughs. I tell stories, we share shock and amazement and we leave with positive memories. And that just feels really good all around. And what keeps me coming back is how I feel in those 45 minutes.
1: I mean, that can't be said any better, such a a beautiful statement. Um and it, it totally makes sense why you would you would go through all the all the struggles for for that moment. Um, yeah, that's truly beautiful. Now before we leave here, there's one thing that I want to know about. And so- I I did a little bit of creeping on your website today. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I do this podcast, uh, the way I structure it is I don't I don't really do any research. Uh, per se, because it's really just a conversation between two people. Um But I did see a picture of you with one Miss Betty White.
0: Oh, my girlfriend. I <laughs> there
1: there are many people, I'm sure, listening that uh, admire this woman. And I just want to know, what was it like meeting Betty White?
0: So a friend of mine is the. Uh, well, was, the show is now now over. She was the script supervisor for Hot in Cleveland. And she was also one of the script supervisors for the Golden Girls. So she had known Betty for years. And she, this woman who's a script supervisor, her name is Kari Hendler. She is also a photographer of Magic. And so I've known Kari for a few years at this point. And I was performing in Hollywood at the Magic Castle, which is a private club for magicians. <clears throat> and I had a night off, a very rare night off. Normally when you're there, you work an entire week, but they do what are called buyouts every once in a while where a company will buy out the building and say, we want these certain performers for our people. And they pay, oh my God, amount of money for this. So I had the night off. And my friend Kari had said to me, Hey, if you're ever in in town and we're filming, come on out and watch an episode. So I called her, she cleared it, and I went on my way. And we watched an episode of Hot in Cleveland. I don't remember much of the episode, but I remember the end of the episode. Valerie Bertinelli's boyfriend breaks up with her, and she bursts into tears and calls her daughter. I don't remember much about the episode, but I remember... They made Valerie Bertinelli cry four or five times. And the thing that stands out in my mind is her going, guys, we don't do this right now. It's not going to happen again. Let's go. And it was like, whoa, okay. That's like shocking. And afterward, Kari comes up to me and says, you now and pulls me out of a side queue, And she goes, Betty wants to meet you. And I said, Betty wants to meet me. Well, well, why, why? Well, Pre show taping, they all have a meeting and they ask, Is there any dignitaries, famous, important people in the room? And I said, Well, my friend Bill from Chicago is here and he's a magician. And Betty goes, I was born in Chicago and I love magic. I want to meet him. So got pulled to the side. Everyone left, walk across the little street in the back lot to look, they look like apartments. And went into Betty's apartment and there were cat pictures and dog pictures and bird pictures and dolphin pictures and animal pictures everywhere of all these animals that she loves. And she comes out of the bathroom with a towel, like, hi, I've, I've, I've heard a lot about you. And I cried, I cried for Betty white because I said to her, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I've I've watched you my whole life. I I've known you my whole life. I I, I can't believe I'm he, I, I can't believe I'm here. And I said something about I I've watched you my whole life. And she goes, that's funny. You don't look terminal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
0: and, and then she goes, it's okay, honey. I get this a lot. Uh, Kari then said, you know, Bill would like to show you magic trick. And I said, I, I would. And Carrie goes, "Honey, you don't have to if you don't want to." I said, well, "I'd love to," and I turned uh, dollar bills, four dollar bills, into four hundreds for her. And then she exclaimed something along the lines of, "You can't, you can't do that!" I'm right, you can't do that. And then I turned those four dollars, four hundreds back into dollars. Took one of them and I snapped it, and it became a t-shirt, a folded like. A fo- it it, it, fo- it was like an origami fold of a shirt with a tie, like a like a dress shirt with a tie, origami folded. And I said, Betty, this is yours, and I want you to have it. She looks at it, and she goes, this is wonderful. I'm going to put this right in the bank. Jeremy, she put it into her bra. <laughs> I, I have never been more happy with anything in my life. She then said, let's get a picture. I took a picture with Betty White. I went back to my hotel room and proceeded to get food poisoning.
1: Oh wow. Well, there's always for every high there's a low. So
0: you know what? I did not care. It was it was like I she is as sweet as you hope she's going to be.
1: Man, that that is a, a amazing story and I think the perfect way to end our conversation today. Um, before we leave, though, we should let everyone know, how can people get a hold of you? Where can they find you on the Internet?
0: Uh, I am at Bill Cook Magic on all social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Friendster, MySpace. Are those still a thing? Sure. Uh,
1: TikTok. <laughs> so if people yeah. want to follow you, you can they can.
0: I'm be my first subscriber to TikTok. Yeah. I don't have any videos up, but uh, yeah, at Bill cook c-o-o-k magic b-i-l-l-c-o-o-k-m-a-g-i-c
1: and then billcookmagic.com is your website correct
0: is my website and jeremy i can't thank you enough for having me on this is this is great man i'm i'm glad to see you're well i'm glad to see you're doing this and uh when this is all done i owe you a drink
1: absolutely it it might be a little bit because i think i think we mutually are uh aware of the danger of outside and we're taking precautions uh uh, more so than some other part of our world or specifically our government um uh, but yeah again it's been truly wonderful um talking to you and then everyone listening if you want to uh reach out to the podcast you can reach out to what do you like podcasts on instagram WDYL podcast on Twitter. You can go to whatdoyoulikepodcast dot com, um, and you're always welcome to send me an email directly at jeremy at whatdoyoulikepodcast dot um, I really appreciate Bill again for coming. I appreciate everyone listening, and everyone listening, we'll see you next time.